0: Welcome to episode three of Dal's War Room here with Eric Bradett. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Good, man. Okay, today's topic is going to be leadership, and this is definitely a big topic. So leadership is an interesting thing, and leadership is in our lives all the time, whether we we are a leader or whether we are somebody who is being led. You know, it was interesting last night, uh, Andy was here doing a training with one of his new recruits here at the office and we were talking about like kind of the oil field kind of industry in general and an industry that i came out of and and it was interesting just talking about like massive corporations and kind of some of the ways that hr people do business and handle business and things and it's interesting one of the things that's crazy about leadership is, is a lot of times we put people a lot of times you know big companies put people in charge of things that, you know, realistically, they probably shouldn't be in charge of. And if we've all had what it kind of boils down to a little bit is we've all probably had situations where we have worked for the guy who had like daddy's money, like like the boss's son. Yeah. So. It's interesting because when you work for somebody who's the boss's son, and if it's something where the job was just kind of given to him because he was the boss's son and he didn't really, or daughter, right, or didn't really come up through it. A lot of times there's like a lot of ego in there and it's hard to work for these people. And I, I worked a, a job in r- restaurant industry years ago and I spent a lot of my my younger life in the, in the restaurant industry. And I worked for this guy and and his wife. And I mean, he was kind of a prick, but it was, he he was, uh, he knew his stuff and he knew what he was talking about. So I would, you know, I learned lots from him and took a lot of advice from him because of the knowledge he had. He was a very difficult person to work for. And he had a son that worked with him. And again, same kind of thing. It was just literally there because it was daddy's money. And this guy had, you know, daddy's credit card. He had daddy's car. He had daddy's house, all these things like that. And, and dad just gave him money. And he gave him the, the restaurant that I was um, basically the kitchen manager of. And he gave him this restaurant as basically as kind of the owner. And this guy was very difficult to work for because he didn't know what he was doing. He had a lot of ego. He had a lot of arrogance. And people followed him because we were forced to follow him. We didn't follow him because we believed in what he was doing. We didn't follow him because we believed in his mission and his skills and his abilities. We followed him because we were forced to through a paycheck. And, and often that's what happens with people who don't have the skills and the abilities or the right leadership. When you, when you set somebody who's not necessarily a leader into a leadership position and say, now you're a leader, it doesn't work. It creates animosity, creates all kinds of problems. This also kind of happens nowadays in a lot of big corporations. And what we're talking about, about, you know, a lot of these oil and gas companies and things is we take like engineers, for example, is another good example. Um, I remember when I worked over at the mill in town here, one time we brought in, the company brought in this process improvement engineer is what they called her. And they brought her in and basically said, okay, now this person's in charge of this, 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 and this. And a process improvement engineer is in charge of, improving the process so this person had never you know we worked at a steel mill and a pipe mill this person has never seen a pipe had no idea what we did but they were educated through this you know whatever whatever you need to be a process improvement engineer and i remember it was 30 below out and we're running massive diesel cad engines and, and we have 980 988 wheel loaders open face forks on them and the training manager in this in this facility and we park our machines inside in the wintertime. We bring them out because even a lot of times these big guys plugging them in it even doesn't do it when it gets really cold. And anyway, so we run these things all the time. And then obviously, when we go in for a coffee break or a lunch break, the, the machines continue to run because you turn off a big ass diesel engine when it's 30 below, you got problems. And I remember we were in a, in a morning meeting and the process improvement engineer came up to me. And part of the improving the process idea was to get us to save diesel and to turn off the machines during coffee and lunch breaks. And I remember she came in and was basically not telling me or asking me, but just basically flat out telling me, this is what you're going to do. And I remember looking at her and just kind of blinking and just doing this straight, like, blank, like, is this a joke? And I'm looking around to see, like, am I getting punked here or something? Like, what what the hell are we talking about? And I was like, you know, like, are you serious? Like, you want me to go out there and turn those machines off right now? She's like, yes. I'm like, do you have any idea what's going to happen if we turn those machines off right now? And she's like, well, yeah, we're going to not burn diesel. And I'm like, can you come with me? And I remember walking into the into our superintendent's office with the process improvement engineer and getting into the place. And and I walked up to our boss, Brian, and I said, tell Brian what you would like me to do. And she told him she's probably all proud about it. Too. Oh, yeah. And she told him. And Brian kind of did that like slow hand over his eyes, his elbow on the desk and kind of leaned his head down like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I'll leave this with you to explain why and left. And throughout the problem, and you know, what really boiled down to is the fact that this person had no idea, had in essence, no life skills at the facility, but the company put somebody in charge of things who had literally no idea what the hell they were talking about. So throughout this, this person did not gain any respect. This person did not, because this person shouldn't have been put in that position. There's no respect from the workforce. This person doesn't know what they're talking about. She was a nice lady, like all oh, at the end of the day, she wasn't a, bad lady it's just she had no idea what she was doing and she's put into a position of power and put it into a position of leadership with no clue in what she was doing and you see this in so many different areas of work where people just take educated people so in leadership here's the thing that happens and a lot of times, in, you know, and, I, and I'll use the example that I have, because that's all I ever do, is in this mill, we would have people. I mean, it was a big facility. Sometimes we had up to two, 300 employees, two, not 300, but 200, 250 on big times. And we would go through these things, and there was people who were put into leadership roles by the company, and there were people who were natural leaders in the company. And I remember we had some lead hands at the time and they've been with the company for 20 30 years. They worked from the ground up and they worked, you know, they worked every position in the mill. They were good guys. They came to work every day. They worked hard. They knew what they were doing. So, who do you think when there was an honest question that we had about something that was going on in the in the yard or in the mill, Do you think people would go to the process improvement engineer who was told, this is your leader? Or do you think they would go to the person who has the 30 years experience, who's not maybe in a leadership role, but knows what they're doing? Definitely the 30 years of experience. right? So, and this is the thing that where a lot of these things become problems is today is is people are forced and it's kind of like the same as the boss's son thing, right? So the point I'm making basically is in leadership, you can't say, Eric, now you're a leader, go lead people Mm -hmm. and people, this is now your leader. Now you can you can be a boss, and you can be put into a position where you're the authority, but that doesn't equal leadership doesn't mean that it, now your leadership so leadership has to be earned and it has to basically come from the core, and it comes from experience really at the end of the day. And that's why we've done the war room for as long as we did internally was the fact and everything that we teach on through all of this just comes from from experience right I'm not the most experienced guy in the world and you know there's lots of people out there have lots of experience but it's just when people know you've gone through things when they know you've experienced things then they're more likely to listen to you. And that's kind of what happens through business in a lot of ways too. And, and I mean the, the beautiful thing about Rainbow and what we do is everybody in our organization anyway, like there's there's lots of organizations where people come from, you know, other companies and things like that. And that's good because they bring a lot of knowledge. You know, one of my biggest mentors in Rainbow came from another company and took all I mean everything that you learn what kind of what not to do and, and bring that into a, a new company with a real product and allows you to, to do better and, and learn and grow. But the people who have the experience, I mean, in, in our business, we've come down through through dealers and, and worked into managers and up to distributors and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. The people who have worked their way up from the bottom up, they kind of have your respect and, and you, they kind of earn your respect of the people because they know what we're going through. And I think that's where one of the biggest things is, is, is people have to understand what you're going through in order to make it make sense because one of the things that's, that's vital to understand in life, but in business is that it's, it's necessary to fail. Now I'm going to say that again. It's necessary to, fail. there's no sales. Yep. And you know, we see people all the time and my boy, Mikey V there, will go on 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 sales in a row. And he actually gets dumber. 100%. Because it gets easier, your skills aren't sharp. When you walk in and a customer says, I love it, here's a credit card, you didn't learn a damn thing. But when you sit down and the customer is like, yeah, you know what, no, and, and they start putting you through the things, and they start kind of grilling you a little bit, and they start coming at you with some rebuttals, and they force you to learn and to grow and to start to think, and, and they get your wheels turning, they get things going. And then afterwards, there's a sales high in sales. Mm-hmm. You sold cars for a lot of years. You walk out. Did you do let me ask you this question. If you had a customer that came in and they're like, Eric, I want this car, let's do it. Yep. And, and you sat down with them, you wrote them up and you had them, they just bought it, good credit, whatever, paid all done, zing zang, boom, and done and gone. After that, what's your mentality? You're like, oh sweet. I mean, you're you're on that high though, right? You just made some money, yep. you're happy. But you don't really think about much in it, in that sale, do you? No. No. Now imagine the person who comes in and says, I don't know what I want yeah you have to do a lot more work now yeah okay so you're oh there's this there's this and there's features and there's this and there's that and you're he's like why do you know if i want to buy here Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, this is why you want to buy here, and this and this. And you're going through all the reasons that he wants to buy from this, from this dealership. Okay, well, I'll buy here. But I mean, I don't know. You seem like kind of a young guy. I mean, is there someone older I could talk to? You? And then you're kind of going through, like, oh, this is why you want to buy from me. And you're kind of selling yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when he sits down, and I mean, there's credit problems. You got to fight to get this guy approved. You got to go through different lenders. This guy wants a deal. You're like, holy shit. You're going back and talking to the boss. You're coming back in. I can't do this. He's being hard. He's doing whatever. And say for whatever reason, he walks out and doesn't buy. Yep. Okay, well say say at that point he does buy. Even then, that sale made you work a little bit harder. Yep. But even if you get that sale you walk away, you might go, Oh man, that guy was a pain in the ass. But what if he doesn't buy and he walks out? Now f- what are you thinking?
1: Well, your first reaction is like, What a waste of my time.
0: Right. And then and then you start to think about like, what went wrong here? Yeah. So now you start thinking, you're like, Well, I mean, okay, he said this, he said that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I told him this, that I pissed this guy off. And you and, but you start thinking about it a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. You start thinking about like, man, I should have had this guy. Why didn't I get this guy? Yep. So as you kind of go through that, you kind of start to naturally critique yourself. Am I right? And you start thinking like, did I lose this guy? You know, I mean, was it something I said? Was it, you know, how did, where did this go wrong? And the point is, is like the guy comes in and and just bang, done, sale, he's gone, you made money, woo, and you move on. Yep. But the people that challenge you and the people that put you through a lot of the motions are, are the ones that cause you to learn and grow. Yep. We actually had one. So
1: like if we didn't sell a car and the customer walked away, we had to go to the sales manager and tell them why, tell them the story, basically everything like that. And so it was like, it basically you're saying is you walk through the scenario to find out what you did wrong and what you did right.
0: Right. So would you say that you learn more in the sale or more in the no sale? The no sale for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And that's business in general. If you are in the sales, we get the sale. There's a high. You're like, woohoo. You think you and, can do it all. Yeah. And you're like, all right, cool. And then the next one. And then this is the problem when people start going on sales streaks. I guarantee you, when you, I mean, what was the most cars you sold in a row before, before you got to know? Nine. Nine. So you sold, when you saw, you probably, that ninth person, man, probably got like 25% of Eric Burdett. Oh yeah. Because you were just on the high, you were just rocking it, everything was good, you were just like, and I mean, you were just cutting corners and things, And because in your head, you're the king of the world, yep. you're the best sales guy on planet Earth, yep. you could sell these things, I might have well just stayed home in bed today, I could have sold these cars, and everything is just fantastic. And not only that was in
1: my own ego, it was most of my sales manager's egos filling my head as well. Right. So yeah, it was it was definitely
0: pretty bad. Right. So the ninth guy and then the 10th guy had finally caught up with you. And then it's like, holy shit. Then all of a sudden you're like, what do you mean you don't want to buy it? What? And yep. all of a sudden you're like, what happened here? And then all, oh, no, no, I didn't tell you this. I didn't tell you that. And you start kind of backpedaling and panicking. It's because you learn less through success. You learn more through failure. So as long as... You, and, and it was actually good that your sales manager made you guys come to the office and have the conversation on why they walked away. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's valuable because that's a that's a very important learning process that, that caused you to think and grow and learn and to try to rebuttal the next time. And I think there's a lot of power in that. So, so if you're in a situation where you're you're kind of forced to do that, that's good. But a lot of times if you're independent, you may not have a, a sales manager to say, hey, come sit, let's have a talk and see what happened. So you have to have that conversation with yourself in your head and say, okay, what went wrong here? What happened? But in those, as long as you're allowing yourself to grow and to learn, then that no sale doesn't become a problem as long as you can learn from it. So if you take every no sale, every failure in quotation marks and turn it into a chance to learn to get better in the future, that's what you have to do. Now, how many times do we see people in sales who just go through the same motions again and again and again and again don't make the changes. Don't learn from it. They say, oh, it was the customers were stupid. This guy was an idiot. This was this, this was that, blah, blah, blah. They don't ever learn. And they walk into the exact same thing every single time. And they don't make the changes. Yep. And things that we're going to talk about, I mean, in the future are, you got to know more about your people than your product. 100%. 100% you do. When you can understand people, everything's going to change for you. But if all you do is understand the product, then it's never going to change. So what happens basically is when we get people who are I everyone mean, we get people who just focus on the product only and they're just trying to sell it they're trying to sell it they're trying to sell it they got the blinders on they can't see they're just they're trying to sell it and they didn't buy it. they're trying to sell it we didn't buy it we're trying to sell it we didn't buy it well this is what i'm doing this is what i was trying to do this is what i'm supposed to do why didn't they buy it
1: mm-hmm. right it's actually a funny story because at the dealership we had somebody that was a product knowledge person right so they had all the expertise classes done they knew absolutely everything about these vehicles <laughs> and she was the one that sold the least amount of vehicles in our dealership every single month
0: unreal Crazy how that works. The person who probably knew the most about it, because, and that's what happens is, is you can know lots about your product, and you'll sell. I mean, she, she probably, what, I don't know, what does she sell? 20 percent, twenty five percent, um, whatever. Yeah, right. Like three a so, month. Yeah. So, so the thing is, is even in our business, you'll have, you'll sell twenty percent of the time, mm-hmm. just on the product. Yep, for sure. You have a twenty percent sales percentage in Rainbow. You'll, you're showing the product. The product's mm. good enough <laughs> to sh- just you'll accidentally sell some of these things when you when you show it, but. Who wants to sell twenty percent, twenty five percent? Who wants to stay there? Not me. No, I don't think anybody does. So now, how do we get better? And 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 the process is in learning to get better. So if you take that failure, that no sale, and say, okay, what could I have done differently here? And and don't beat. I mean, don't beat the piss out of yourself over it. Don't destroy yourself with like, oh my god, I can't do this, and all this negative stuff. But just say, here's a, a, a something. There was a disconnect here. What did I miss? And how did I go? Jeffrey Gittimer, the sales Bible, is one of the best sales books I've ever read in my entire life. And he basically says this way that he kind of says that we're like every no sale is your fault. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't say it in a way to like depress you or make you think that if I'm selling at 90 percent, I'm bad or whatever else. But he puts your mind into the place where he says you have to understand that everybody's sellable. Mm -hmm. Now, we sell a product. That is catered to people who breathe air. So everybody. Right. Which, as far as I know, all human beings breathe air, I would think. Yeah. Right? I can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Okay? Grade 8 education, but I'm pretty sure human beings breathe air. So our product can be catered to the world. Yep. Everybody who breathes air can be sellable on our product. Now, some products don't have that luxury. You know, in cars, I mean, obviously, a massive majority of the population drives. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there is. But there are people who don't have licenses. There are people that, yep. you know, as they get older, they stop driving. As they're younger, they're too young to drive. Parents not going to buy a five-year-old a car. Nope. Right? But, again, a, a massive group of the population drives. Yep. Right? So, that's that's huge. So And then there's some that cater to, like, just health People. there's some people that weight loss it's like well you're catering to people who want to lose weight and there's so many different products yep. makeup you're catering to women probably get in trouble for saying some of these things but whatever um you know but these are the things so you you cater to individual people and there's still a large market and you can still do very well but the point basically is our product is catered to people who breathe air, so people will buy a rainbow because their five-year-old has a breathing issue. People who are eighty who have more breathing issues than they had when they were younger now want a rainbow to breathe easier and breathe better and things like that. So our product really knows no boundaries in terms of uh, things. So every human being is sellable mm-hmm. in in our in our business. And if it's and if you're not in our business, you know uh, you think about the people who are sellable. Okay. So now when it boils down to is understanding the fact that if all of our people are sellable, how come they don't buy? Because of us. Right. And that's where it's important to understand because what happens so many times in, in sales is, again, ego allows us to – doesn't allow us to to take ownership. Ego puts us into into blame. Well, I don't know. This guy was an idiot or this customer didn't know this or they didn't get it or they were just – they didn't care or they didn't whatever. I remember as a younger dealer and you know, I called Jaylene, was my distributor, and I would give her every reason why they didn't buy and blame, every, blame, blame the customers, blame everything, blame it all. I never took any ownership at all. It couldn't have been me. I did everything right and screw that person. They're dumb. That's why they didn't buy. And it was funny because no matter what smoke you blow up your boss's butthole, at the end of the day, when I was driving home and there's me in the rearview mirror and I got a rainbow full in the box, you know, backseat of my car or truck. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror and no matter what I told my distributor, what smoke I blew up her, I was literally saying, man, what if I would have hold more dirt gloss or what if i would have explained this better and and i knew i cut parts of the demo out and i knew that i cut corners and the problem that destroyed me and we see this in 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 our business and most businesses see is where, where you cut corners and sales to try to make an easy sale mm-hmm. but when that blows up on you the danger is sometimes we do make that easy sale. And then we go, oh, wow. That worked. We could, that worked. We can do it this way. And then we continue to want to do that. But it falls apart on us. But what tore me alive were the what ifs. What if I would have done my, this? What if I would have went there? What if I would have went to the mattress? What if I would have done this? Or when I knew I didn't do the full job, what tore me apart was what if. Jaylene Kaczynski bought a rainbow because the person who showed her her rainbow showed her the blinds. And Jaylene had these wood slat expensive blinds in her new house and she had to take them down because she is a clean freak as we know about her and love her to death. She took these blinds down and she had to wash them in the tub and it was a pain in the ass. So when when they showed the machine and the blinds, she was floored. Mm-hmm. Now she didn't buy it because it's a, a blind cleaner. Mm-hmm. She bought it because of all the things it does. But that was the thing that threw her over the edge. But if the person hadn't shown her the blinds, do we know if she wouldn't have bought a rainbow? We don't. We don't. Now, could you imagine what happens to rainbow in Canada or specifically Western Canada if Jalen Kaczynski does not buy a rainbow? Significantly different. Imagine the impact.
1: Yep.
0: So that person show with the blinds <laughs> how many times do we not do that right so so the point of it is is those were the things like holy crap what if i would have done this maybe i would have got them so it tore me alive and and i'm like okay never again am i ever going to leave a what if behind i'm going to go into every home i'm going to do the job i'm there anyway why wouldn't i i've made arrangements to be here i've, I've put the kids in today home whatever it is i some, waited for whatever you've done you've, you've made some arrangements to go on this demo today you've booked it you're at the door you drove there you walked in you introduce yourself you're there you're in the house do it all right Mm -hmm. why not so i made a commitment to myself because i was tired of driving myself crazy that i'm going to do everything every single time and there is not one person in on this planet and there is a lot of really good people in rainbow but i would just basically make the point that there is nobody you know my my buddy manny possible hollow would not be able to come behind me and sell a rainbow after i walked out of that house. And that was my standard. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to walk into the house with no what-ifs, and I'm going to do everything I need to do. And what happened in that time frame is I got dramatically better. Everything increased massively. And you know what? When I walked out, even if it was a no-sale, I never cared, really. It never bugged me. Whether I made money or didn't make money that day didn't really affect me anymore because I didn't really have anything to overly... Beat myself up a boat. There was no what ifs. I knew that I gave those people every single thing. So you know what happened when I started to take ownership in this? I started to go from calling Jaylene to saying, you know, hey, Jay, yeah, these guys were idiots and, you know, they didn't buy because of this, this, and this. And I went to saying, you know, Jay, I don't know what I missed, but I just wasn't able to connect them. Mm-hmm. And there's that is such a different statement. Yep. And that's what it came down to because what I realized and going back to what what Gittermer talks about is every no sale being your fault is to put you in a situation that we are in a business where everybody is sellable. So if we didn't sell them, then there was something that I I missed that connection. Now, you are never going to sell 100% of anything. No. You're not. So let yourself off the hook. But if your bar is that I can connect to everybody because my product connects to everybody. If that's your bar, okay, and you don't beat yourself up over that bar, but that's your goal and you learn to get better every time, you can grow. So the point of all that basically is is if you're taking the no sales and and you're learning through them and then it grows because when I say it's necessary to fail, this is what I mean putting into the same scenario of the person with daddy's money mm-hmm. or the the engineer that comes in at a school it's the same thing nobody wants to follow the person who doesn't know what they're talking about even if they're in that position so what if we had a imagine if you had a car uh, an owner and he hires you in in the in you know you're the top sales guy he wants you to come work for him and what if he didn't know what a vehicle was never sold a car in his life had absolutely no idea what he was talking about and he was the manager how frustrating would that be
1: it's rough
0: it's rough yeah you say it's like you've had that before yeah okay so it's rough so when you go through something and you go to talk to him about it and he has absolutely no idea what the hell you're talking about all he knows is you didn't sell and he goes well i don't know like why did you sell? Like if he has no idea what you're going through, mm-hmm. do you feel emotionally connected to that person? Do you feel like that person understands you? Not one bit. Not one bit. So then what are you gonna do? You're gonna go find the guy who's worked for 30 years, sit in his office and 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 vent to him for a little bit because he gets you.
1: Yep. yep.
0: Why does he get you? Because he's gone through it. Yep. So this is the point, is when you go through the things together, so where it's necessary to fail, is you are going to be you are completely useless as a leader. And I'm gonna say that. You are completely useless as a leader to your people if you do not know what your people are going through. So when I say it's necessary to fail, it's necessary to go four, five, six, seven, ten in a row. Because when your people go through four, six, seven, ten in a row without a sale, they're going to look to you for direction, guidance, support, and words of wisdom. And if you say, well, I don't know. Shit, I've never went that many in a row. That sucks. Yeah. If you don't know what they went through, you don't know what they're they're going through, you have no idea how they're feeling, you don't know what this feels like, you're completely useless to them. And they're going to go find somebody else who understands what they're going through, or they're going to quit. Yep. And they're going to think it's all them. Mm -hmm. But when they can come to you and say, man, I just went five in a row. And when you can say, "Oh shit, man," I, you know, I remember when I went five in a row, and I mean, I went a lot longer than that, actually. And you know, so so now you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. So you know what to say to that person. You can emotionally connect to that person. You know what that person's going through, and you're also the inspiration now for that person to say, "Man, Eric gets this. He went through this. Look where he is now. Mm-hmm. I can get there too." Right. That's leadership. Yep. But you have to go through it first. So it's necessary to fail to be a good leader. You have to go through all the crap. So in life, I could never, I mean, I, I went through it, man, <laughs> at all levels. I went through it and I could never understand. And maybe this has happened to you. Maybe this, you have some really shitty things that happen in your life, some really, really rough things. And I remember sitting there going like, God, what are you doing? Like, what, what did I do to deserve this? What happened? How did I, how did I piss you off? And... I would go through, and and if you've ever gone through something terrible or rough, have you ever noticed that not too far down the road in the distant future, you have somebody else that ends up going through the same thing you go through? Mm-hmm. And you end up being like, hey, man, I just went through that, and you can help them with that? Yep. Interesting. Very. Very interesting. So if you didn't go through that, would you be able to help that person? Not one bit. Not one bit. So... As I would go through all the crap I went through in my life at all different levels and all different things, as I would go through this, not too far down the road would there be a situation where this exact thing came up. So what would start to happen was I would start to realize like, okay, maybe I was put through this to help this person through. That's what I started to think about. It. And then this is where this all kind of started to come to me. It's like, man, I had to go through that so I can help that person. I want to help people. And if, and if you're in leadership and you don't want to help people, then don't be in leadership, Get out of it. Mm-hmm. I want to help people, but to help them, I truly need to go through what they're going through to to be able to help them. Which means you have to go through every situation. Absolutely. So then, when I start, once I start to kind of realize that in life, that I'm no good to anybody if I haven't gone through what they've gone through. It started to make me understand why God put me through that. And then in business is the same way Is I mean, I started at the bottom and I screwed this up and I made every mistake. And I you talk to some of these old rainbow guys who've been on lots and lots of demos and thousands of demos, man, and they'll tell they did it all wrong, didn't we? We just everything we tried it this way, tried it that way, everything way. But these are the people that that dealers want to learn from because they know what it feels like to fail. We know what it feels like to go through a river of shit and come out clean on the other side. And as long as we come out clean on the other side, right, that's the inspiration, Eric, I've gone through what you've went through. I understand what you're feeling. I remember when this happened, I can tell stories, I can relate to you. We get each other. And now, here I am, and I'm a super satellite distributor in my organization, and I've qualified for RGDE, and, and here we are. So now you say, okay, man, Dallas gets me. He goes through this. He understands all this stuff. That was a good talk. I know how to help you get through that. Man, look where he's at. I can do this. And that's leadership. So we have to understand it is if you want to lead people, more importantly, if you want people to follow you, I'll say it that way, you have to understand them. So, in business, a lot of times we're working up to something. We're working up to a management position, we're working up to a leadership role, and we're working through, and you have to allow yourself to fail through the processes in order to succeed. It is necessary to fail. Necessary. You have to. You have to fail to lead. You have to. You have to. You have to. It's a must. So when you're going through the shit that you're going through and when things aren't working out and you're failing and you're down, you can't seem to figure it out, know that you're going through that for a reason. You're going through that because at some point someone's going to look to you and you're gonna, it's going to make sense to you at some point. It will. It'll make sense to you when somebody comes to you and ends up going through the same thing you went through. And when you can help them, that feels good, right? And they respect you and it puts you into a position of leadership. And that's what we have to understand is it is necessary to fail in order to lead. So that's how we have to get there. And you know what, and, and leadership isn't always, it's not easy. Sometimes leadership is, I mean, sometimes leadership disguises itself in in really weird ways. Sometimes, I mean, people are, leadership isn't what you, you think it is, or doesn't, isn't what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's, a, you know, it's, it happens sometimes that way too. So obviously, you've probably seen an example
1: or two before, like in your life, like, it's like hidden leadership. You don't really realize it's
0: leadership. Let me tell you a story. In two thousand and twelve, shit. 12, 13, 14, 12. I don't know. <laughs> 2012 to 14? 12, 13? For people who follow hockey, NHL hockey, this is something that stuck with me for, for a very, very long time. And this is, a, I think, a decent example of where leadership doesn't, you know, always seem what it looks like and... There was a, a guy who was playing for the San Jose Sharks, and his name was Thomas Hurdle. And, and I used to tell this story quite a bit to people. And, and Thomas, you know, was a rookie in the NHL his first year. His first two games in the NHL, I think it was, he had three or four points already in his first two games. And in, I believe it was his third game in the NHL. This kid goes out and scores four goals in a game. And he was like the youngest kid to score. He was 19 years old or some, 18 years old. He was the youngest person to score four goals in like 20 years, 25 years and people were going shit. and if and if you google or youtube thomas hurdle h-e-r-t-l his his four goals what you'll see i think it was either i think it was the last goal either the third goal or the fourth goal i don't know if it was a breakaway or what it was but he did this behind the leg puck flip over the stick i mean he just did this, this behind like through the legs behind the leg shot and scored And, you know, a lot of times people in sports think of that as ego and showboating and stuff like that. Now, Thomas Hurdle got uh, just an astronomical amount of attention on him, not just for that goal, but for the fact that being the youngest person scored four goals, this guy now had seven or eight points in his first three games, his first thing. And you know what it gets like all of a sudden he's the next Wayne Gretzky and he's this and all this pressure and people were all over him. These expectations went through the roof. Here's this guy is all this stuff. He's going to be the next Gretzky. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. He's all these things. And, and you know, now and then there's people going, oh, he's showboating. He's this and he's that. The captain of the San Jose Sharks was Joe Thornton, big Jumbo Joe, great, big, burly, bearded Joe. And the media was in there. It, I don't know. So I think this was I think this was a couple days later or maybe the next day or something. And they were interviewing another guy on the team. I don't know if it was Marlo or who it was. And Jumbo Joe leans over to the media guy. And he, so he started asking. He started saying something to, um, do you think Thomas Hurdle was showboating? And Big Joe leans over and yells at the the reporter and says, shut up. And everybody stopped. And he started making noise while all the media starts going to him. Now, I'm not going to repeat what Joe Thornton said. He said, but if I scored four goals in the game, I would have my manhood out. And he said it with a word that starts with C. He's like, I'd have my manhood out. I'd be waving it around. And The media was all over this and they were like, oh my God, Joe Thornton said this and that and blah, blah, blah. And and he was, I mean, people were like, he's disgusting and he's this and he's that and he's all these things. And you know what I saw? I saw Joe Thornton is an amazing leader because here's what happened. The media attention went away from Thomas Hurdle and went on to what Joe Thornton had said. Joe Thornton did that on purpose cuz Joe can take the the heat, he can take the attention, he can take the shit and abuse and he doesn't care. He saw this young guy who had done an amazing thing, getting the shit beat out of him and all this pressure and all this intensity, and Joe said I got to take this off of him. Well, in order to take the attention away, you got to do something big. So when he used the vulgar language and said he would walk around with his wang hanging out, basically, waving it around, if he had scored four goals in a game, he said something and used vulgarity and provenity to make it bigger than what Thomas had done, or more, I guess, more newsworthy. And all the attention went to Jumbo Joe, and Thomas got to kind of have a little bit of a break. And Joe got beat up, and he's vulgar, and he's this, he got attacked, he got everything, like, what an asshole, how could you say this, and blah, blah, blah. And all it was is true, honest leadership that nobody caught on to. Nobody caught on to that. So sometimes leadership is not what you expect it to be. It's not what you think it is. That was pure leadership. Because he saw a young guy in shit. He had to make a splash that was bigger than he made or something more attention. And he took the attention off that person. He took all the shit. He took all the abuse, all the crap, all the things he got, you know, there was people who, who didn't like him anymore after he said that and all these things. And, and, and he took all that heat to take the pressure off of his young rookie who just came into the league. And that's leadership. So sometimes it's not always what we want it to be, but you don't think Thomas hurdle went, Oh thank God. No, he definitely did. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. (laughs) I guarantee you, Joe probably even said something to him, like, hey man, I'll take I'll take over from here. Mm -hmm. Right. Or something like that. And and that's leadership. So it doesn't always come to a place where you need it. But again, are you willing to (laughs) sacrifice yourself for your people? Is I guess the message down inside there. Joe sacrificed himself for this person. And again, Joe has been to the league. He was there for a long time, you know, and and he'd been through it, seen it you know, he could handle it. He knew how to handle the media. He knew how to have fans. He didn't care people hated him in this and that or whatever else. I mean, he just, so he took it all on himself and that's a good example of that. So, so those are the things that, that sometimes people don't recognize right on his leadership, but in, in the room and in that moment, they definitely will. Right? It's
1: not even just that though. It's also like he didn't have an ego of right.
0: worrying about like he's better than him or anything like that he was trying to protect his younger players right 100 percent. he had just done something that joe had done mm-hmm. you're right and joe didn't have an ego in that and be like oh yeah well i mean you know he got lucky mm-hmm. 100%. Right? you're right and that's another good point as well he took it, it is what the kid did he made it he still made it a big deal he said i'll whip my you know what out if i scored four goals he made it sound like this kid just did something awesome this mm-hmm. is what i would do if i did but he took that attention away and and you're right so so again sometimes we don't see it that way So, I mean, this is the thing that you, when when we move on from it, and once we get to the point where we are a leader, and we've worked ourselves into a leadership position, there's a there's a book out there. I'm going to screw this up. There's a book out there that says something about like how to lead people when you're not in charge, or something like that. I I read part of this a long time ago, and and it talks about like basically how to be a leader when you're not in a leadership role, and that would be. An example would be the guy at the mill who's been there for twenty years. The guy at the car dealership who's been there for twenty years, who is not in charge of anything, but is still. It's like how to get kind of shit done when you're not in charge, and how to be a leader when you're not in charge. It's, um, I'll get the name of it, but it was a it was a good book. I remember reading parts of it. My attention span doesn't go too far, but I remember going through some of it and uh, making it good there. Right. So that was part of the things that that we have to you know understand is sometimes we're not put into the position of leadership um, but sometimes we still want to be able to lead and so one of the things that come through it is, is once you get into that position and, and you are in that leadership role where people are following you and, and they they genuinely start to have an interest in what you will, what you have to say some of the things that start happening is is once you kind of have that influence you have to be careful kind of what you do with that influence and we have to start to think like about what happens to us when we when we get there and how we're going to act now like when, once we're in a position where people are listening to what we say they're paying attention to what you say they're following you they're they're genuinely interested in what you have to say they believe that you're somebody who can get them through it they believe there's somebody that can help them and they want to learn from you and they and they kind of you know want what you have in a way it's important that you you don't carry, I mean, you, you got to carry yourself in a certain way as well in, in some cases, right? And one of the good examples of that is, I mean, we have to see things as they are. That, that's something that's important, I think, that we have to really focus on is, is a lot of times what happens, I mean, and we notice this probably more in the last three years with what's going on in the world or what was going on in the world than, than ever before, I think, or at least I have, is do you notice how sometimes, I mean, there's some people that are just never satisfied never happy there's been a lot of screaming and hollering and yelling happening over the last couple years and uh, I'm one of the ones that was screaming and it doesn't matter which side you were on or what direction you were screaming in at the end of the day is when if you were screaming about something and then that thing got resolved I was screaming about something and it got fixed and I stopped screaming now does that mean that because I stopped screaming does that mean that I think it's over or it's not. No, but there's people who are screaming about something and the thing got fixed and then they kept screaming and kept screaming. And no matter what changes or, or how much they get what they want, they continue to find another thing to be mad about and to keep screaming. And And we have to be careful with that sometimes because you, you want to be able to see things as they are, not worse than they are. And a lot of times is when, when shit hits the fan People look to you in leadership. They look towards people. They look up to They respect and they stand up for. So how you carry yourself now becomes important. I believe I'm a kind of person that doesn't want to, to burn bridges. I love people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love people that agree with me. I love people that don't agree with me. I have a lot of friends that don't agree with my values. I don't, unfriend them off of Facebook and block them and do all this stupid shit it doesn't like because you don't agree with me doesn't mean I'm not going to be your friend we see things in a different perspective that's great we see one thing in a different I got friends that I don't have anything in common with I don't we see things differently on every scale of life one of my best friends growing up the the person I spent most of my life with as 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 a young kid who was the only friend I had for how many years living out in the middle of nowhere in Athabasca has absolutely nothing in common with me anymore. Like we, we are on completely opposite spectrums of everything, right? It's just, I don't think we can sit down and probably find one thing that we have in common. I have a gentleman that used to work with me in Calgary years ago and we got along great and we have nothing in common. Like our political views are differently. Everything, every single thing is different but I'm still friends with these people and I still love these people and these people still mean something to me and they have a a place in my heart and a place in my life. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that they don't see things my way. And, And, and I hope they're okay with the fact that I don't see things their way. Everybody's different. This is the beautiful thing about us. We're all different. We're not supposed to have the same views. Everyone's not supposed to believe in the same thing. So calm down, but the point I'm making is is sometimes we just see things worse than they are. And in those moments when things are intense, is like we just we, we get our view and, and that's it. And if you don't believe me, then you're out of my life. And look at how many people over the last couple of years have been ostracized, you know, through what we went through. And relationships broken down and things, and there's 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 been just a ton of hurt. It's not even just friends, it's also family. Oh, family, everything. I I mean, there's a ton of hurt, Mm -hmm. a ton, and we need to heal. But the thing is, it's like, it's disappointing on both sides that people didn't handle themselves better all the way through. Because at the end of the day, man, we're all human beings. We all love each other, and we should, and we got to calm down. But the point is, if you're a person always sees things from a negative spot, people aren't going to want to follow you. So even people you see who are opinionated leaders, okay, and there's been a lot of opinionated leaders in in humanity, people who rose up because they believed in one thing or a specific thing or a set of values or morals. But those people didn't say, this is what I believe and screw you if you don't believe this too and blah, 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 blah. They still had open arms, to everybody who you know and, and the chance that someday maybe more people will will come and, and they didn't shut out half the world they they basically still let themselves be vulnerable so let themselves open to other people's opinions and things like that as well so a lot of times if you shut yourself down and say this is all I believe and if you don't believe this and this is then you're out of my life and I don't want to talk to you and I hate you and blah 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 blah, blah. people stop caring about what you have to say they stop following you they don't want to follow you you don't want to follow somebody who's who's like that. Now you can stand up for what you believe in. I stood up for what I believed in, whether other people believe it or not. It doesn't mean I shut out the rest of the people and and said because this is what I fought for and believed in. Like I fought against what some of my people, my friends believe in. I don't care, and and they fought against what I believe in, and I don't care. It's fine. It's going to be okay. But when you allow that, kind of that respect starts to come out. And when you think about the people who've made the big impacts and and fought for things, you can fight for what you believe in and stand up for what you believe in. But don't shut the world out where it's like, if you don't believe that, I mean, and, and there's big things. I mean, my, I joke around with, you know, one of my good friends, Brad, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of, we have a lot of things in common, but it's on different perspectives. Brad's weird. He likes iPhones. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. Brad likes um, Chevys. I'm, I'm losing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose so many freaking subscribers here. Crazy. <laughs> right? And and he likes iPhones. He likes Chevys. He cheers for the Oilers, right? Which I guess I they're my second favorite team. Fine, we'll give you that. But it's like. But regardless, it's funny because we always have these bantering things, and you know, and Jovan and a lot of our distributors, and it's like it's you know even you sometimes you know, and it's like I I'm an Android guy and. The greatest auto manufacturer on earth is a Ford, and I have my Bronco, my truck, and I love Fords. But it doesn't. I mean, my best friends don't agree with me, and I don't care. We joke around, we we bug each other about it. It's fine. I don't care. I got an iPad. Fine. It's good. Great. But again, it's it's these things. So that that's a small example. At the end of the day, though, it's just stuff. Exactly. So when I when I when I take the small things and the big things, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care that some of my friends don't like the same things I like. I don't care if some of my friends do the things that I don't do. I don't care that some people went and did these things and some people went and did that thing, that some people believe in this and the other people believe in this, I don't care. We're supposed to think differently. If we weren't, we'd be all given the same one track mind and man, that would suck. So, so understanding that if we go too far in the wrong direction, that it can be detrimental to us. If we're looking to be leaders, you have to continue to be open to people, Because we're leading people, we're not leading an idea. And, and if you want to lead people, you have to leave yourself in a situation where you you are. And again, you know, even though we've made our opinions on things public and very well known, I don't have any issues with anybody else who doesn't believe what we believe. And there's people in our business who don't believe what we believe. And that's great. I love them. And I think people will have more respect for you as a leader if you allow yourself to see all points of it. And maybe we had a, a situation yesterday where in our organization where there was two sides to a story... And I mean, it got it got I don't want wouldn't say it got heated, but it, it, the discussion got heavy. And afterwards, me and the other side had a conversation and, and it was all good, man. We're like, we love you, man. Fist pump. High five. It's all good. Who cares? We see things differently. Good. That helps us grow. It helps us learn. It helps us get better. We all got better yesterday in this argument. So through this shit we went through over the last few years, we should all have gotten better, stronger, learned as hard as it's been. It was hard, man. Man, some people like, it was hard. The last couple of years was hard, the hardest part we've seen in our life. Our generation, some of them have, but haven't had to live through massive wars, like world wars, where people were forced to go to war. Your kids weren't ripped from your house and forced to go to war. There's always been bad, heavy times. This was the worst in our generation that we've seen, in our privileged country, in so many privileged countries. Other people on a daily basis go through worse, but... From what our privileged countries have seen, this was the worst thing we've gone through. And bad times create tough people. And if we all come through it tougher and stronger and with love still in our hearts, the world's gonna get better. And people will follow the people, I believe, who who take that mentality, who don't just say, you have to agree with me or you're out of my life. So you wanna see things as they are. I make a conscious effort to try to see things as they are. Doesn't mean I'm naive to what could happen. It, it, it doesn't mean I'm not upset or, or angry or emotional or worried or scared because I am all those things at times but I try to see things as they are And I'll admit I'm the person who tries to to still believe that there's good in the world and there's in you know, I believe in humanity I believe in people I believe in, in in love and and caring about people. I believe the world's a good place and I, and I want to continue to believe that. So I do have maybe that little bit of that to me but I try to always see things as they are not worse than they are. And, and that's a recommendation I have for people to try to do the same thing, okay? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, here's the thing. Either you affect people or you infect people. And, and Jalen talks about that all the time. Either you affect them or you infect them. So ask yourself, if you're in a position that want to grow and want to lead, are you in a position where you're affecting people in a positive way? Are you, are you this person made an impact on me, this person made an effect on me, or are you infecting people with negativity and all that kind of crap as well, because a lot of that stuff is what really boils down to, you know, into leadership and and where we want to go with it is, is you have to understand is what are you putting into people and you know, what are you leading is, is important as well. So what image are you putting on for other people? Absolutely. And you know, people, and and this is the thing, I mean, just, just to go sideways on this a little bit too, right. Is, is sometimes these opinions, you know, get us into trouble. I mean, here's the thing. Okay. When you apply for a job, do you actually think that your um, the people who are potentially going to hire you don't like go, you know, scroll into your social media page?
1: No, well, they definitely do. 100% they do. This yeah. is
0: this is the world we're in now, guys, right? So, like even when I go to hire people, I will go check out their Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. And I want a glimpse into their life. So, when I am looking for someone to be the face of my business, and I open up their Facebook page and the first thing I see is middle fingers up in the air and F the world yep uh Maybe I'll skip that. I don't know. So a lot of times when we, look at, we gotta look at what we're putting out into the world. Now, again, I'm a person that's never shied away from from swear words and thing things, and I get myself into trouble for things I say. It doesn't mean, you know, I don't see as it means, I mean, I believe in God. I believe I'm a good person. You know, yeah, I, I swear a little bit. And, you know, so, but it doesn't mean that I'm on my Facebook profile, like middle fingers in the air, just, you know, f the world and f this and f that and blah 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 i mean it's just I, I don't that's not the image i want to put out into the world so we got to look at sometimes too is like it, you know people are are looking at us when people come into something you know um chris said something very important at our at our last rainbow world meeting and he said like he talked about new recruits in our business he said your new recruit is looking at this saying do i want to do this again do i want to go through this process again and if you take that and, and spread that out into, into most things in your life is people are looking at you wondering if they want to be a part of you, what you have to offer. If you're just a salesperson who's trying to recruit someone into your business, they're going to look at you and say, is this a person I want to follow? Because, you know, sometimes you're you're almost like, I don't want to say forced into leadership, but sometimes when you come into a business that's direct sales like Rainbow is, or if you come into even like a, like a like a multi-level marketing business or something like that. Is when you are the person who ends up recruiting somebody, you're the face of that business. In Rainbow, when we send someone into the house and they are presenting our product and our business, and if the customer has never heard of it or whether they have or not, to the customer right now, you are that person. You are that business and you are that product. So they're going to go and they might search you up afterwards and say, is this a person I want to follow? And so have a conscious understanding of what people are seeing. If you're in a position where you want to lead and you want to succeed, what are people seeing about you, right? What are they seeing? What are they, What are you know, what, what representations are you putting out? What aura are you putting out there? And is it something that that a general amount of people would want to follow? So that's something we have to kind of look at too is is if, because they're watching, like they are watching, people are watching. I mean, and now with social media being at the highest, I mean, shit, man, it's everywhere. People are are, are, are looking at your life all the time. And what you believe in and what you stand for and stuff like that. So if you allow yourself to be open to, to people in general, and if you, you really look at it from a customer's perspective, if I want to succeed in sales and I want to lead people and I want to build a team, what is my team going to see when they look at my Facebook post? Mm -hmm. When they look at my Instagram, when they look at my Twitter. Right. Okay. So go back and, and imagine a new person going onto your profile to see what kind of a person you are to see if they want to follow you and go through your posts and see if there's anything on there that you might think shouldn't be on there and have that conscious, you know, effort with yourself going forward, because you could just be a dealer who just started and you go into a home or you're pitching your product. And again, you are the, you are the product, you are that person. So what are you putting forward? What image are you putting out there? And are people going to want to follow you because you're not going to recruit people. I'm sorry. You're not going to recruit a majority of the people if your middle fingers are flying all over the air and you're wearing F the world t-shirts. You might get a couple of people like, "Oh yeah, that person's cool." But you're not going to attract the majority of the population like that. So if you don't care about leadership, you don't care about recruiting people, fine, you're probably not on this podcast. But the people who are, and the people who want to learn, that's good advice right there that that you should take and it's and it's super important to understand. So to wrap it up, guys, the biggest point is we have to understand that the things to remember is is leadership is not always what we think it is. It comes in different ways. We want to see things as they are, not worse. If anything, try to see it better. You either affect people, you infect people and understand 100% that it is absolutely necessary to fail in order to succeed. And that's episode three. Thank you, guys.